Well, greetings and welcome to the Confirmation Podcast. Uh, let's see, it is for uh, October 17th. 2018, and we're continuing on through those books. We have finally made our way out of Genesis. Everybody give a good cheer. I can hear you. Some of you didn't cheer. It's okay. We'll move on. All right, so um, we have moved out of Genesis. So we've gone creation. We've heard about how everything was good, but then how everything changes to not so good after that, and that God decides to, to work through this family, beginning with Abraham and Sarah and bless the entire world, that that promise starts there, and you can see it kind of wind its way through their son Isaac, then moves on to Jacob, right? Jacob, who's the good trickster who becomes Israel, and then to his 12 children, his 12 sons, and at the end of that story, Joseph, because remember they sold Joseph off into slavery, and uh, but Joseph ended up you know, rising up and, and being really powerful in Egypt and kind of saving the whole group. So at the end of the book of Genesis, we don't find, this is always interesting to me, we don't find them in the promised land, right? We don't find them in the place that God said God would give them, but instead they are in Egypt. And so the first thing that happens right off the bat in Genesis 1 is that things that were working out pretty well before uh, kind of take a downturn. So listen to this. All right, so we're going to start off with hearing a little bit from what happens right at the beginning of Exodus. It acts as a good transition for us from Genesis into Exodus. And we're going to hear from Exodus 1, 1 through 14, from Tom Oberg. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The total number of people born to Jacob was 70. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and that whole generation. But the Israelites were fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now a new king arose over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of a war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters, taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. All right, so that turned pretty quickly, right? <laughs> we went from sort of things going well to not so well all of a sudden. So um, what happens then in that middle, if you've heard about all this terrible stuff and they, they want you to kill, they are going to kill all the children and it's just really pretty terrible. Um, there are these two, by the way, two little heroes that happen in between this story and our next one, and their names are Shifra and Pua. And unfortunately, we don't hear about them, but they are midwives. They help uh, women deliver babies there in Egypt, and they go and save children along the way so that they are not killed by the Egyptians. And it's always just good to kind of hear those stories. But one of those children is Moses. And Moses, of course, you might know the story of uh, Moses being put in the basket and floating down the river and then 
then the daughter of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, finds that baby and um, basically sort of raises it as uh, as her own. And so uh, Moses, interestingly, sort of grows up knowing that he is um, a Hebrew, an Egyptian, and an Egyptian, sorry, a Hebrew and an Egyptian. And so kind of lives in these both worlds, but um, it is defends another a fellow uh, Israelite and kills the an Egyptian and so has to run away and flees. And so um, runs off and he finds um, this group of people in this place called Midian and uh, uh, meets a, uh, finds a, a girl there and, and a girl named Zipporah. Zipporah, good Z name, right? And, um, and decides to kind of settle in there and then Things uh, don't actually go the way that he expects after that, too. So let's listen to this next part. All right, so now we find ourselves in Exodus 3, which is where Moses, who has been through all kinds of a journey so far, uh, finds himself out tending the flocks, and what do you know, the Lord shows up. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see... God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remember the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. And thank you to Marilyn Winters and Dennis Fuegi for being both the Lord and our narrator. Narrator. That's a real word. All right, so Moses has been called, and so from here, he heads back to Pharaoh, and he tells them, let my people go, right? He's talking for God along the way. And so um, he goes, and that's when we get the Pharaoh, of course, says, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm not going to do that. And so um, that's the point when um, 
those plagues begin. And so there are ten plagues that uh, happen, and each time uh, Pharaoh usually has to make a choice. Okay, maybe I should do something different. Uh, but no, 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 I'm, I'm better, I'm more powerful than uh, this God, Yahweh. And so um, it ends up, we get all the way through all of them, and, and there's been lots of warnings along the way. And then um, there is this last plague, which is that um, the firstborn of every household will be killed. And so this is when we get that, um, that passage about the Passover, right, of, of the Israelites marking their doors with, um, to make it clear that they are Israelites and, and then uh, the Egyptians uh, falling uh, after this, but the God sort of passing over them. And that Passover becomes a really important tradition, uh, even up to uh, Christians, right? Because that's what Jesus and his disciples are celebrating the night in which he is betrayed. Um, so from there, they finally get set out, and I'm going to rush over this part. We're going to talk more about it, but go through the Red Sea, um, stretching out your hands. It's the very pivotal scene of every movie, right? Um, and so from there, though, they enter into the Promised Land, and they are trying to, uh, or they're starting to, they're heading towards the Promised Land, and along the way, they get sort of cared for by God. Um, they don't have food, so God gives them manna, this this blessing each and every day. And there's sort of rules to it. You're allowed to gather only so much that you need that day. It's not about hoarding. It's about keeping what you actually need. And then God blesses them with clean water and with quails and to eat and all kinds of different things like that along the way. God, God's presence is a light for them uh, when things are dark and uh, sort of a cloud for them when things are bright so they don't feel sort of the the heat of that, and eventually they make their way to um, uh, the mountain, the Mount Horeb, and it is there that, uh, I'm sorry, not Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, and it is there that um, they are given those Ten Commandments, and so we'll, we'll read through those, that's in Exodus 20, but so we'll learn, there, uh, we'll learn more about those then uh, and go from there. But as they are wondering, they get into some trouble because they keep doubting, and so they end up just wondering and wondering and wondering. But what happens is, eventually, at the end of this, they are getting closer and closer to this promised land, to this place that God had promised to their ancestors and so now gives to them. And one of the important things that happens in this, uh, I've read something that says this is sort of like the wilderness school, right? So it's in those places that they learn about what it is that God wants from them, what is what it is that that God is calling them to. And part of the thing, we talked about this last year with the Ten Commandments, is that it's not only um, learning these stories and learning how to be a people, going from being enslaved to now being free, and how how you can do that. But the more important thing is, how do you ultimately trust in God along the way? And so one of the more important passages, because we are kind of jumping through a couple of books here today, uh, we'll, be, we'll be going through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And there's a passage in Deuteronomy 6 that I think says quite a bit about what the people are meant to learn during this wilderness time. So here it is, uh, Deuteronomy 6, and this is going to be the first nine chapters, uh, sorry, first nine verses of that. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long. 
Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that they may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand and fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I mean, you can hear it's all about this important story and how much it makes a difference in their lives to remember and to trust that no matter what it is that they have to face, that the Lord their God is always there alongside them and is blessing them, calling them towards this, this great land that flows with milk and honey. And that, that the story of how God has saved them from being enslaved and brought them to freedom, that that's something that needs to get shared over and over and over again. Now, it got me to thinking a little bit about the people in our lives that help us to learn about what's important in our faith, right? Who are the, the people who... Um, who have helped you. And so what I'd like for you to do is just have a quick conversation and to talk a little bit about what are the ways, what are the people um, who have helped you to grow in your faith, who have taught you something about God, who um, who uh, who help you learn about who Jesus is and what, and what God has done for us and continues to bless us with. All right, so that should be it. Uh, I look forward to seeing everybody this Wednesday, and uh, God's blessings to you.